Where is Tennessee amongst the powers of the SEC? How much is that gap closing for Tennessee and Georgia, Tennessee and Alabama, and some of the best teams not only in SEC but in college football? That and a whole lot more here on your Wednesday, Locked on Balls. You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, welcome into it. This is a Wednesday edition of Locked On Vols. I appreciate you guys being here. I'm Eric Kane, uh, your host here on Locked On Vols. Shout out every dayers. Thank you so much for being here and making this show what it is. Couldn't do it without you, that is for sure. I'm out of town this weekend, or this week really, so uh, this is a pre-recorded episode. We're going to get Chris Gordy, host of Locked On SEC, to come on and join us here in just one moment, but you guys know the rundown. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Locked On Balls on the YouTube channel. Uh, download it anywhere you get your podcast. Turn on those notifications where you guys will know when a new episode is ready to roll. Five stars and positive reviews on Apple Podcasts. Really, really do appreciate that. Uh, let's get our guy Chris Gordy on. He's the host of Locked On SEC, does sports talk uh, in Houston, and uh, does a really, really nice job. Gordy, what's up, man? What's up, Eric? Yeah, um, a pre-recorded episode. Let's hope like nobody got kicked off the team in the last day that, that, that might have missed that news, so... Well, a lot of people are like, why do you even say that? Well, because of that very reason. Like, if, right. if something if something were to happen, if, uh, you know, somebody gets arrested or somebody hits the transfer portal or whatever, and they're like, why on earth did you not talk about this on Lockdown Vols? Well, I think, you know, I think the last time we taped, we were talking about the Tennessee backfield, and, like, the next day, one of the running backs entered the portal. Like, well, that's... That's out the window now. That's useful, yeah. <laughs> but but in the in the big s- scheme of things, when you look at Tennessee, Gordy, um, you, you know you host Locked On SEC. You talk a little bit about all these you know, fourteen, soon to be sixteen SEC teams. When you see Tennessee and think about Tennessee this upcoming fall in twenty twenty three, kind of what do you think? Um, what's going to be the strength of this team? What are the biggest concerns? How do you think this will all play out for Tennessee in twenty twenty three? Well, I thought. You know, some of the comments made recently um, from bro- both Joey Halsley and and uh, Josh Heupel are, are interesting. You know, Halsley was doing an interview a couple days ago, and he talked about, you know, they want the def- the offense to be the best in the country. And he said, that's not hyperbole. We're not just saying that to say it. Like, we want to lead the country in points scored and, and, point- and yardage put up. And, and, you know, I think for Tennessee fans, you hear that, and it's exciting and all this, but, like, when I take an outsider perspective, like, is that possible? Like, is what we just saw them do with Hendon Hooker, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, is it possible to do that again with a new cast of characters, with Joe Milton, uh, I don't know, Brew McCoy, whoever, Dante Thornton, whatever, whoever their one and two receivers are going to be this year. Um, you know, it, it, it's possible. Uh, we know the schedule is, is, you know, it's not the easiest schedule, but uh, it's cer- certainly manageable. Um you know, I, I think it just kind of get gets to the point where, and, and I saw this the other day with the the New York media going after uh, Jalen Hyatt. Like, you know, there's still this cliche or whatever you want to call it out there that that it's a system. You know, that it's almost like they're treating Josh Heupel like it's Texas Tech. Like, oh yeah, we just throw the ball around and uh, we just have like two plays. And just, you know, and I just think that's unfair to those guys for for all the game planning and everything they put in. I think that was unfair to Hendon Hooker. I think it's unfair to Joe Milton, um, you know, who comes in and has some big shoes to fill. So, you know, I think the question is, can the offense pick up right where last year's left off? We're going to find that out very soon. 
And on the flip side, Josh Heupel's comments about saying we want to play elite defense. You know, he could have come out and said, yeah, we want to be improved this year on defense. But he used the word elite. And I thought what was interesting was, you know, he said, we've added so much depth. He said, you know, no offense to the previous regime, but when I got in here, we were thin, man. Numbers were thin. Guys were hitting the transfer portal left and right. We were trying to piecemeal a, a defense together. And now they actually have some four and five stars. They have some depth. They have some rotational pieces. And so, you know, I don't know if this defense will be elite, like he says yet, but certainly it looks like they're going to be much improved. I think that one of the laziest things, laziest arguments on behalf of Tennessee is, um, you know, all, all they do is throw around the ball to West Coast offense. You don't run the football and everything. I mean, if you take time to look, Tennessee led the nation in rushing touchdowns last year. Tennessee was the only team in the country that averaged over 300 yards passing, 200 yards rushing. Josh Hopples averaged 200 yards rushing in both seasons he's been here. It's such a such an incredibly lazy take. I feel like that that conversation about the system and all that, it's fair in the NFL draft process. But even in college, like even if it was, who cares? Your job is to be hired to win football games. If right. Josh Hobbs winning football games, who the hell cares how it's done? I just, it, it just baffles me that narrative out there. It's just funny to me. Um, back to Joe Milton. Feel like there's kind of a, a lot of love from a national perspective for Joe Milton. There should be like Tennessee, a guy that covers Tennessee every single day. I'm comfortable. I feel good about Tennessee's option with Joe Milton going into 2023. Because he's older, experienced, third-year guy in the system, yada, yada, all the tools, all that stuff. But again, in two times he's been a starting quarterback in Power 5 consistently, it's not been a good product. Um, why do you think there's so much love going around for Joe Milton? And I feel like it's almost like people feel like Tennessee is going to pick up right where Hendon Hooker left off and what you were talking about. And I don't think that's possible, but I still think Tennessee will be in a good spot with Joe. Yeah, I think it's, <clears throat> you know, what we saw against, he was okay against Vanderbilt, right? I mean, it, it wasn't like blow the doors off, but I think against Clemson, he looked really good. And <clears throat> that's what gives a lot of people encouragement heading into this offseason. But it's funny, somebody posed a question to me the other day. They said, which is more likely to happen? Joe Milton is a Heisman finalist in New York, or Joe Milton is benched and Nico Yamaliava, you know, thrown into the mix. I said, uh, man, that's that's a really good question. My initial thought would be he lights the world on fire and he's a Heisman finalist. But I, I think, you know, we have to kind of like step out of the bubble a little bit sometimes and think about this. What if he struggles? What if he is overthrowing guys like we've seen so many times, you know, in the previous years uh, in his college career where, you know, he throws a bullet, but sometimes you know, doesn't put that touch on the ball. Now, we saw him with more touch when he played last year, and that was good. But, you know, I think we, we kind of don't think about what if um, it, it doesn't work. What if he's overthrowing guys left and right and, and Tennessee fans? I mean, how many times, gosh, like even in, in that early playing time, remember like he had wide open receivers? Yeah. Like, dude, they are wide open. Just put it in space. Like, let, don't overthrow them. So I'll be curious to see if that happens. That's worst case scenario. But again, to me, Best case scenario, I think he is the guy. I think, you know, Josh Heupel's the right guy to coach him one-on-one. -on -one. I think Joey Halsley as well. So I think they're going to be fine. Um, I think Joe Milton will be the guy. But barring injury that, you know, he starts all year. He's very productive. And I, I like what Heupel said the other day that, you know, he became a leader last year. He said even behind Hendon, he took showed leader, um, you know, leadership aspects of, 
being that guy and, and doing things that he's not asked to do and uh, being the locker room leader and all that kind of stuff. And I love that Hendon rallied around him and even coming to the yeah. bowl game and being on the sideline. I mean, that just shows, okay, this guy's ready for this moment and hopefully he lives up to the hype. All right, last thing here in the first segment, Tennessee's on the road at Florida week three. Um, I, I think Florida's very much down. I don't think they have good quarterback play. However, it's Tennessee, Florida. It's in the swamp. That's going to be such a challenging game. Tennessee can't win down there. Uh, South Carolina two weeks after that. Then A&M comes to town first week after that off week, and then you get into the Alabamas, Kentuckys, Georgias down the line. Um, safe to say that the Florida game is a big game, but I, I've seen you um, – you know, talk up Texas A&M here lately. Could Texas A&M be a team that comes to Neyland Stadium and give Tennessee trouble? Yeah, I think so, just because the Bobby Petrino factor, you know, he's, you know, outside of all the stuff with the girl and the motorcycle and all that, you know, off the field stuff, in between the lines, Bobby Petrino's a good football coach. Hey, I'll say this. Uh, our guy Barrett Saliva at CBS Sports and his SEC overreactions so that he'll be fired midseason. I was like, I mean, I could, I could see it. I could see <laughs> well, it. it. It's because it's two alpha males. Yes. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's Jimbo Fisher and it's uh, Bobby Petrino, and and everybody expects those guys to butt heads. And at some bit, some point, Jimbo's going to come up to the booth, rip the play sheet out of his hands, and go, "No, I'm calling the plays now." Uh, it sounds like Jimbo's done a pretty good job of deferring. It sounds like he's going to be that CEO and kind of defer and let Petrino run the offense. We'll see. Uh, the only thing I'll say is, and keep in mind this is different, it's Nick Saban, but Bill O'Brien was an alpha coach. I mean, just an alpha personality uh, as the head coach of the Texans, the head coach of Penn State. When he went to Alabama as the OC, he def- he you know took a step back and he deferred to Saban and said, Saban's the alpha, I'm going to listen to whatever he says. If Petrino does that with Jimbo, then maybe they're going to be okay, but look, A&M's got a ton of pieces still. Um, you know, we assume Connor Wegman's going to win that job, although Max Johnson looked good in the spring game. So, you know, that's a kid who started at LSU in the past. But, yeah, I would say I think you're on to something there. Like, that Florida game is the, you know, if we if we break, break the uh, schedule up into quarters, like, that's the, the first half of the schedule, that's the toughest test. Mm-hmm. If Tennessee can pass that test and go win in the swamp, I think they're – I think they're set up pretty well, and I know South Carolina is going to be good with Spencer Radler back and, and Juice Wells, but uh, I think that A&M game is scary just because you know Jimbo's going to run the football. He's got three really good backs, including the freshman Ruben Owens, who I really like, but you know, yesterday he said Levian Moss is an NFL running back right now. Um, that will be interesting to see, but yeah, I, I think there's, there's a good chance, if all goes well for Tennessee, that they're unscathed going into that uh, third week of October against Alabama. Should be interesting, and uh, we'll continue our conversation with Chris Gordy here in just one second. But hey, if you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want to sacrifice taste for low sugar, low calorie, all that type of stuff, then Built Bar is the treat for you. I call it a treat because that's 100% what it is, also 100% covered in real chocolate. So is this just a candy bar? What is going on here? No, it's only 4 grams of sugar, only 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein. 130 calories so it's a treat but it's low on the calories low on the sugar intake high on the 100 chocolate and of course high on the protein 17 grams they got unbelievable flavors like peanut butter cookies and cream whatever flavor you guys want you can check it out at built.com but uh, not only can you order specialty flavors over at built.com but now you go to your local sam's club your local walmart 
and you can find built bars on the rack there. You you get your protein, but you get your bars, you got your puffs. Um, if you want again a specific flavor, you can still order at built.com as well. So making it easy on you by stocking those shelves over at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. That is built.com. 100% real dark chocolate, 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories. Take advantage of it today here on this summer season, spring turning to summer. That is built at built.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Segment number two of a Wednesday show. I'm Eric Kane. We got the host of Locked On SEC, Chris Gordy, joining us here today. And and Chris, let's keep this conversation going, man. Um, this will be year number three for Josh Heupel. Year one, seven and five, losing in the Music City Bowl. Year number two, uh, ten and two. 11 and 2 beating Clemson in the Capital One Orange Bowl. Uh, year three, your first true reload, if you will. Um, where do you see Tennessee finishing in the East? Where do you see Tennessee kind of in the SEC pecking order uh, when it's all said and done in December of 2023? Yeah, I think I kind of defer to, you know, what I've at least like a lot of the prognosticators out there, I think are, are pretty you know, hitting the nail on the head. I think a lot of people expect them to finish second in the East uh, behind Georgia, you know, like they did a year ago. And, you know, is 10 wins within reach? You know, it, it, I think a lot of things have to go right for them this year. Uh, keep in mind, a, a lot of times playing in the SEC, you know, road environments, even if you're the better team, you still lose games at times. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's that's what we love about the pageantry of the SEC. That's what we love about road hostile environments and all that is, you know, look at the South Carolina game last year. Tennessee should have won that game. They didn't. South Carolina played out of their minds. So is there a game like that for Tennessee this year? You know, because we look at the schedule and say, yeah, it's manageable. But, you know, could I see a world where they lose at Florida? Could I see a world where they lose? you know, at Alabama, home against Georgia, and maybe Devin Leary sets the world on fire Kentucky, and maybe you'll lose that one, and, and it's a four-loss season. Um, I would say maybe three losses is, is maybe the safe bet right now if you're at, kind of setting a line over under. I think a lot of Tennessee fans, you know, if you're more optimistic, you're going, oh, it were better than that, 10-2. and two. Um, But I think if we're being real, 9-3 and three is probably a realistic uh, a record, and it's just, you know – is the offense not as good as last year? Probably not. Can the defense improve and get some stops, get after the quarterback more, get some more sacks? Maybe. I'm, I'm excited to see. I hope they're a little bit more aggressive up front. Uh, have some questions still a little bit about the secondary, but you know, time will tell. You get a nice test against a Virginia team that I think you're much more talented than in, in week one, and, uh, and then you get Austin P after that to, to kind of work out all the kinks before you get ready for the road trip to Florida. So I would say right now, second East – Nine and three, probably the, the the best way to go. Go to pretty good bowl game. Um, I think uh, the bowl projections yesterday, twenty four seven sports. They already did a whole looking ahead projecting. They have they have Tennessee in the Citrus Bowl, and I know the old you know Steve Spurrier line, whatever. But Citrus Bowl is actually a pretty good bowl game now. Like it's it's 
better than the Gasparilla Bowl or something like that. Although I did see Kentucky's projected to go to the Las Vegas Bowl, and that's supposed to be like a bad bowl. But like in my opinion, I would love to go to the Las Vegas Bowl. <laughs> team. So I think they need to move that one up in the pecking order because let's be real, like going to Tampa or going to you know Jacksonville, people would choose Vegas over that. One hundred percent. This is completely a sidebar, but in those years where Tennessee is like you know good enough to get to a bowl, but not good enough to contend for the SEC. So a lot of the last ten to fifteen years where you know it's seven and five, eight and four, seven and five, you know that conversation. It's you know the the whole Tennessee fan base is like got to get to Florida. Florida means a good bowl. Don't want to go to Nashville. Don't want to go to the Liberty Bowl. Don't want to go to the Mayo Bowl. Got to be got to be at the Gator Bowl. Got to be because that just means better. It's like. I think that, in my opinion, is the stupidest argument in the world. Like, it is it is the same thing, except one is played in slightly warmer temperature in January, at the end of December, and, I mean, it's not a New Year's Six. I don't know. That That's just, let me let me get off my, my soapbox well, here. That was a little... it's, it's funny, too. Like, every Tennessee fan I talk to, Kentucky fan I talk to, like, every, every one of them is like, I'm tired of Nashville. I hate the Music City Bowl. Like it's like, like I don't know. It's just maybe it's just because it's in the middle of the SEC footprint. Like send me somewhere we don't go very often. Like yeah. let's just create an SEC bowl matchup that's in like California or something just to get out of the state <laughs> of Florida and Nashville and Birmingham and all the same places we go every year. On that defensive note, um, and, and I guess kind of what Josh Heupel was talking about playing elite defense. I don't think Tennessee will ever play elite defense because his offense won't allow that to happen. You have to throw the total defensive number out the window because Tennessee is going to play. Tennessee's defense is going to be playing more plays than anyone in the league every single year because they're going to be on the field more because of that offense and, and, and its tempo. Um, you improved on third downs, on red zones, on on sack numbers, and all that type of stuff last year. Can you do it again? Plus takeaways. That is how you will complement this offense. Um, in the best way possible. It was Jeremy Pruitt, December 2020, during that crazy year. I think it was December 5th. I think that's when Tennessee played Florida that year. And after Tennessee lost, or maybe it was Alabama, I can't remember, but after Tennessee lost to one of its rivals that year, he had the audacity to sit there and say on his Zoom press conference, the gap is closing. Tennessee is catching up to those other two, those other teams in the SEC. But at the time, that couldn't be further from the truth. Tennessee was spiraling in the wrong direction. Now, it very much is. But how how big is that gap between Tennessee and Georgia Tennessee and Alabama right now in your eyes? Yeah, um, I mean, just you got to look at the recruiting classes and, and, you know, the fact that Georgia and Bama year in and year out are number one, number two. It's just they're stacking five-star on top of five-star on top of five-star. It's it's not to say it's all about the stars or the rankings because you got to live up to that hype. But uh, I I just look at what Georgia's roster is right now, and it reminds me of Alabama from a decade ago, like when – Alabama would lose, you know, 12 guys to the draft, 12 new guys step up right behind them. They're all five stars and ready to go. Like, that's what Georgia looks like to me right now. And and watching them in the spring game, it's just – it's amazing what they've done. Even just three three years ago, Georgia did not look like this. Just loaded at every uh, every spot. And they've gone – you know, they, they've gone the Alabama route too with quarterbacks. You know, Stetson Bennett, walk on and all this, but at the end of the day uh, – by the time he hung up his career, Stetson Bennett looked like one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He wasn't just a game manager. This is a guy who was a playmaker, and he had uh, options everywhere. Looking at Carson Beck, Carson Beck may not be as good as Stetson right now, but he's more talented. He's got a stronger arm, a bigger arm. 
pocket presence, awareness. Like, I don't know, man. Like, they just look so, so dangerous to me. And, you know, granted, you know, maybe they get caught napping. Maybe there's a game where Carson Beck doesn't throw the ball very well, turns the ball over a bunch, or the defense is leaky and can't stop the run. You know, maybe that happens to Georgia this year. But right now, they just seem like they're on another level. And it's no disrespect to Tennessee. It's no disrespect to the SEC. They're on another level of college football. Like, they're the best team, hands down, in college football. And that's why we're talking about a three-peat for them. Alabama, for the first time in forever, is dealing with quarterback questions. They don't know who the hell their quarterback is. And that's that's amazing uh, in the Nick Saban era because they've always seemed to kind of know who that guy would be. And, you know, whether it's Tyler Buckner coming in from Notre Dame or Milrow or Simpson steps up and, and says, I'm the guy, I just look at Bama and go, man, who's their go-to number one wide receiver? We still don't know. We didn't know who it was last year. We still don't know who it is right now. Um, the running backs look pretty good. I like Justice Haynes. He looked good in the spring game. I think they're going to be good. And I think the defense is going to get back to old-school Bama, the aggressive blitzing from every angle. Kevin Steele is going to, you know, he's going to send guys. They're going to be very aggressive. Now, when you do that, you can get beat on the back end if your corners aren't ready. But Kool-Aid McKinstry and some of those guys, like, I think they'll be okay. But I, I think Bama's come back down to the pack. You know, I, Brad Crawford, who I referenced earlier of 24-7 Sports, he's predicting Bama to have two losses this year. He thinks they lose to Texas in week two because Quinn Ewers is a guy that everybody's hyping up, you know, Heisman hype saying he could be a first round quarterback next year and all this. And remember, before he got hurt in the game against Bama last year, he looked pretty good. He was throwing the ball over on Alabama. So um, it will be interesting to see. I, I say that to say, like, if Bama loses two games this year and Tennessee loses two games, aren't they kind of close in, in, you know, on the same level at that point? So, um, Man, it's it's intriguing. Everyone just assumes Saban, when he has a down year, oh, he's just going to bounce back the next year, go undefeated. I don't know about that this year with 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 Alabama and Saban, and this thing may be catching up to him. They had the privilege of every year they just kind of reload, and somebody steps up, and the five star talent rises to the top. There might be one of these years where it doesn't happen, and the coordinator hires are to hit as they've been every year. Like something could be happening with Bama right now that brings them back to the pack, and. Uh, Man, it's, this may be Georgia's conference and Georgia's world of college football to just keep dominating. And give Kirby credit, and I think he learned it from Nick Saban, um, the fact that these guys are so good, the fact that these teams are so good, um, and he, and they convince their teams that everybody doesn't think they're good. And they come out in these post-game interviews like, yeah, no one thought we'd be back here. <laughs> what? Um, yes, we actually did. We we all picked you to win the SEC. We picked you to win this game. Nobody thought we'd return. Nobody thought we'd go back to back to disrespect. Okay, I mean credit to Kirby and Nick Saban for manipulating their teams to thinking that they suck because clearly they don't. But um, hey, it is what it is. Uh, we'll conclude this episode of Locked On Vols on the other side with our guy Chris Gordy of Locked On SEC. The big takeaways from the conference this past off season. That and more here on Locked On Vols. We got a final segment left here on this Wednesday edition of Lockdown Vols. We're chatting with our guy, Chris Gordy. He is at Chris Gordy on Twitter. He does sports talk in Houston, does a great job with that, but also uh, covering the SEC, all 14, soon to be 16 teams around the conference. Hey, are we going to get that official word on the scheduling model uh, here in a couple weeks at the SEC spring meetings? That's what it sounds like. Um, you know, everything is kind of pointed to that deadline uh, with the Destin meetings, so um, yeah, I expect we'll hear something here. You know, if we're talking a month from right now, I think we we're dead set. We know what the schedule is going to be. Uh, you know, it still sounds like all signs are pointing to us to go into a nine game SEC schedule. 
with three permanent uh, opponents you play and everybody else rotates. To me, that still makes the most sense. Although some people push back on it. I think there's a few ADs saying they'd like to keep it just to two permanents. So we'll see. They'll all get in a room. They'll figure this thing out. But uh, to me, you got to keep, you got to preserve some of those traditional rivalries. I know we're going to lose some, but you got to keep the primary ones there. And, uh, you know, Nick Saban, he could stomp and scream and get red in the face all he wants. Sorry, you're going to have to play. Most likely, if we keep it at three, LSU, uh, Auburn, and Tennessee every year. Every year. And, hey, are the are the networks, TVs, are they going to get their way and make this really a nine plus one model, which means nine SEC conference games plus one power five? That way you can preserve the Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Techs, you know, so on and so forth. I hope so. I mean, again, that makes a lot of sense. I think the 12-team playoff just opens up the door saying, all right, it just means more. Well, we're giving you eight more opportunities to make the playoffs and so go play some games, right? Yeah, although it's it's funny. A buddy of mine who, who covers uh, LSU, um, he was talking about the potential for the expanded playoff because, you know, we got the schedule came out for, for next year, uh, for 2024, on, on the playoff dates and all that. He brought this up. This is LSU's potential schedule for 2024. LSU opens the season with USC in Las Vegas on a neutral field. They're also scheduled to play UCLA. It's supposed to come to Baton Rouge that season as well, the return trip from a couple of years ago. They also could play a, an SEC schedule that includes Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Alabama, Florida, Auburn, Arkansas, possibly Oklahoma or Texas. You get to the SEC championship game, you have to play probably Georgia. You get past that, the first round of the playoff, you're potentially playing, I don't know, like a Penn State or an Oregon, something like that. You get past that, you're probably looking at Ohio State or Michigan. You get past that, then you got to beat whoever's in the championship. Like it, you're setting, like this is setting up for one of the hardest roads ever to get to a championship. Just looking ahead on S expanding the SEC, bringing in Oklahoma and Texas, and now we have to play extra rounds of games in the playoff. Man, it's 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 fun for us for college sports fans, but I couldn't imagine being a coach in the SEC right now because it is about to get exponentially harder in a path to win a championship. And until they move the recruiting calendar, until they take away the early signing period, until they alter the transfer portal windows, whatever the case is, the month of December is already hell. Could you imagine doing all that and preparing for a college football playoff? It's just, that's why more and more coaches are quitting college and going to the NFL because it's too much. I will forever think that head coaches are not paid enough. I don't care. Eli Drinkwitz, I think, is a loser. Good on you for making $6.2 million. You're not worth it, but then again, you are because you're a college football coach. Yeah, I, and, and to be honest, Eric, like just a little prognostication looking ahead, I think I think this is all going to lead with NIL and everything else. I think Saban's getting out in the next two years. I just yeah. can't see him continuing to do this much longer. It's just too much. Um, you know, bringing the young, youthful exuberance of the Hypels, the Shane Beamers, the, the Lane Kiffins, all these guys, they – you know, you may not like it, but they're ready and willing to embrace it. I just don't know some of these older coaches. Mac Brown at North Carolina, come on. He's got, what, another year or two? I can't see those guys, the old school guys of, of the world of college football, saying, man, we can't do this much longer. This is brutal for us. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it is so challenging to be a head coach because you're not coaching at all. You're just doing so much, so many other things. Um, a couple minute, more minutes left. You kind of touched on the Alabama quarterback situation I do want to kind of start there, though. Big news, uh, second window of the spring portal. Go out and get a quarterback. Tyler Buckner from Notre Dame, reuniting him with Tommy Reese. Uh, you got Ty Simpson. You got Jalen Milrow. Um, is, is this just an opportunity? Is this Alabama saying, 
obviously we don't have faith in these guys. We need a guy. I mean, what do you see shaking out with that? And um, if that is, you know, whoever wins the job, I mean, you're still going to be, you know, sitting behind one of the best offensive lines in the country, one of the best running back rooms in the country, and you got to create some weapons on the outside, but you'll be in a good position to succeed. Yeah, nothing will makes Nick Saban explode more than turnovers. And if you watch the Alabama spring game, Jalen Milrow with a couple couple of bad interceptions. One of them was right before halftime. It was a heave to the end zone. Uh, but J- Ty Simpson had a, had an interception at the goal line. I mean, those just set him off. And I think he looks at it and said, you know, talk, talking with Tommy Reese, Reese said, look, let's bring in my guy Tyler Buckner from Notre Dame. He's a, you know, he'll be safe. He'll be a game manager, but he'll protect the football. We'll, we'll, we'll tell him to only make the safe throws. And I think Bama's going to get back to being what they were, you know, in the Blake Sims, A.J. McCarron era. Before Lane. Yeah, where it was, we're just going to make safe throws. We'll, we'll dump it to the running backs. We'll dump it to the wide receivers on screens. And we're going to get back to dominant run game and dominant defense. And that was Bama's calling card a decade ago. I think they're going to get back to that uh, away from the Bryce Young, spread it out, throw for 400 yards a game. I think Bama's going to move themselves from that era back into the kind of the old school and you know let's be honest a lot of Alabama fans want that they want to run the ball 300 yards run it down your throat they want the defense blitzing from every corner sacking quarterbacks so I think that's what Bama's going to get back to will that lead to an undefeated season and a championship appearance we're going to find out best offseason around the SEC man uh I'm I'm just taking George out of the conversation with everything yeah that's right just they're they're an anomaly but um hmm you know, Auburn, I think, like, I don't think Auburn's going to win the West this year, but I think we're going to see marked improvement with Hugh Freeze coming in. I love that he went through the spring with Robbie Asher, TJ Finley, Holden Garner, and said, look, you guys aren't good enough. we got to go back to the portal. They go get Peyton Thorne, the starter for Michigan State the last two years, was very productive. Um, I think Auburn, we will see marked improvement, and they're going to lay that foundation. They may only go 6-6, six and 7-5, six, and five, but we're going to see an improved football team, and they're going to send a message to everyone. Hey, we're going to start recruiting at a high level putting together top 10 recruiting classes, going into the portal, Philip Montgomery and Hugh Freeze running that offense. I think Auburn's going to be a problem in two to three years. So uh, to me, Auburn probably had the best offseason. I like it, man. He is Chris Gordy, host of Locked On SEC. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Gordy. He does a fantastic job. Chris, can't thank you enough for helping me out and uh, talking a little SEC football. Yeah, thanks, Eric. Anytime, man. All right, that is Locked On SEC host Chris Gordy. Appreciate you guys for being here here on this Wednesday edition of Locked On Vols. I'm Eric Kane at underscore Kaner on Twitter. At Locked On Vols, you can always follow the show. Shout out every dayers. Appreciate you guys for making the show what it is. Become an everydayer. Show back up tomorrow. Subscribe to Locked On Vols on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts. Until then, guys, enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. This is Locked On Vols.